More and more farmers are using drone technology these days to fertilize their crops, to look at different pest damage that's going on in their fields, and general crop scouting. And the University of Wisconsin has been doing more research to adapt with the times and make sure that they are up to date with this technology and providing farmers with the best information available at their disposal. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report, and I am speaking with Dr. Brian Luck, and he has been working on some of this research at the University of Wisconsin. Dr. Luck, can you tell us about your focus of a research and what exactly you're doing at the university? So I'm an associate professor and extension specialist in biological systems engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. We're working with a DJI Agris T40. It's a sprayer and spreader drone. I'm working with Dr. Sean Conley and Damon Smith on this, and this work was sponsored by the Wisconsin Corn and Soy Board, which we're really proud uh, to be able to work with them and, and get this technology. So we're using this currently to look at fungicide and white mold, and and how this technology compares to ground rigs as far as spraying that at whatever growth stage we're at and how much canopy penetration and other aspects we're getting with one of these helicopters. For how many years now have we seen the kind of technology you're using, the T-40 drone, be applied in the field? We're still in the really early stages. They've had the DJI Agris T-30 out for a year or two now, and now they've upgraded to the T-40, which is just a little bit bigger. Carrying capacity is 10 gallons on that. So there have been drones with sprayer and spreader technologies sort of in the field for, I'd say, no more than three years. How efficient is this technology currently? How long can the drones go for? How much can they actually apply? on the field? We're looking at battery life on one of the big T-40s, which is what we have and what we've measured. That battery life's about 8 to 10 minutes. Recharge time on the batteries is also 8 to 10 minutes, which is really interesting. So we're able to fly about that long. Also, we're carrying about 10 gallons of liquid product on there, and usually we apply it about two gallons per acre, no less than that to remain on label for the products. So basically we stay in the air eight to 10 minutes covering about 40 acres an hour is generally what we're looking at. Some of that is reduced factored in based on battery changes. You have to let our batteries cool, battery charge time, and also refilling of the drone. So basically 40 acres an hour is, is kind of what we're looking at as far as what these 40 to 50 is what we're looking at for these to cover. So most of the time when these drones are being applied in the field, are they used on smaller fields, large-scale fields? What are we looking at? In my opinion, I, I don't see farmers owning these. The initial cost of investment is pretty high, and you would have to get them over a lot of acres to pay for it. So it's going to be something you contract. If you have a high fungicide pressure or high disease pressure or high weed pressure, et cetera, in the fields, I think full coverage with a ground sprayer is probably going to be your best option. Looking at an oddly shaped field, something that's back in the woods somewhere that it's not easy to get equipment to, this might be a better option to be able to get over that field in an efficient manner without having to invest in tear things up getting to the field. With the work that you're doing with your students, are you able to work directly with farmers to test some of the different equipment you have at your disposal, test some of the different pesticides that are out there? Yeah, we have in the past. I'm on the engineering side a little more, so we're, we're working with equipment. Basically, what we're seeing with this, this year we kept it on research station to this point, but we're actively writing proposals and, and trying to get funding to go out and do more of this on farm, compare what farmers are doing to the new technology and see side-by-side -side comparison trials out in the real world, per se.
Do you feel like there are a lot of farmers out there right now who are currently using this technology, or is there still a long way to go for this to really catch on? I've heard of several companies in Wisconsin that are doing custom application. I mean, there are farmers that are they're accessing this and using it. I don't have a number on how many acres per year or anything like that, but I know I've heard of, talked to personally three or four individuals, companies that are doing it and that are working with farmers. So it all depends on the situation, and, and using this type of technology can be a little situation. It's not full coverage, you know, large acre field that are perfectly square, but there are other applications where it does make sense to use it. So, yeah, absolutely. I think they're using it and I think they're very excited about it. I get a lot of attendance when I talk about it in an extension setting. So everybody's interested in seeing them and how can I implement that and can it save me money or can it improve my applications? And is it mostly corn and soybeans that drones are being used to spray or is it a variety of different crops? Yeah, I think it's a variety of different crops. I don't have any data to back that up necessarily, but... But it would make sense to, in several other crops, small crops, things like that, I think they could apply pretty efficiently because of the downdraft that you get with them. So if you're flying close to the top of the canopy, props cause prop wash and blow straight down in there, move leaves around. So your coverage, in theory, will be testing this soon. Your coverage, in theory, could be better with one of these than just a ground rig spraying from the top. Where do you see both the future of this technology going, but also the the use among farmers and others within agriculture? I think the future is drone. I think adding more, as costs come down to purchase the equipment, adding more units per fleet to be able to cover more acres an hour and rotate through might be as good or better than the ground rigs that we're running right now. That said, there's damage to the crop you got to consider when driving something into the field. There's different application rates and other things that these smaller tanks, smaller volumes don't make sense to do. But in general, I think for certain applications, and, and especially if you talk about something like tar spot and corn, where the corn's 10, 12 feet tall, you're going to damage that crop going through with a current sprayer where using a drone, you're not going to you're just blowing that product down into the canopy. Do you have any exciting research coming up with your students that's going to be different than what you've been doing in the past here? Yeah, so we're looking at defining spray coverage for that UAV. So taking water-sensitive paper, putting it out in the crop canopies, both corn and soybeans right now, and seeing what that spray coverage looks like. We're also going to get a 3D anemometer here soon to be able to measure wind speed and direction in three dimensions in the crop canopy. So as that UAV flies over, you can see the leaves blowing. There's no doubt that there's air velocity going through the crop canopy, but I want to know how much that is and measured at different heights above the crop canopy so we kind of know where the best sweet spot to spray at is, be able to understand how that coverage is affected by the prop wash coming off of the drone. How big of a group of students do you have working with you right now? Currently, I'm working with one or two. My lab's pretty small right now. We're kind of in a reset mode, but actively going for proposals and looking to increase that. So a couple of students in Dr. Smith's lab are looking at this and a couple of people in Dr. Conley's lab as well. Do you have anything else that you would like to share? Something that's kind of timely for folks that are interested in UAVs is there's a September 16th date that they should be aware of that a rule from the FAA is going to be in place where we have to have remote ID on our drones, which means we have to have a little transmitter either on our person in the vicinity of where we're operating to be able to let first responders and others No, if something happens, they can be able to triangulate and pinpoint your location to get to you more quickly. Those transmitters are for sale. They exist out there. What I've noticed, at least to this point, and a little bit of searching that I've done is they're back-ordered. So if you get on the list quickly, you'll probably have a better chance of getting your hands on and being legal. One good thing is it's coming into the fall of the year, so our agricultural world flying is not necessarily as prevalent in the fall. So we're probably okay till next spring, but by next spring, you will have to have that to be legal in the FAA's eyes. 
As this technology continues to grow and develop, the University of Wisconsin continues to up its research to provide the latest and greatest technology with farmers and others involved in agriculture all across the state with the best equipment and technology. This is Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report.